Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Manual Podcast. My name is Abby Miner. I'm a marriage and family therapist, an ADHD-certified clinical services provider, and a proud ADHDer. This is a podcast for people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and those who love us, which covers pretty much everybody. Growing up with a colorful brain in a black and white world can make us feel like aliens. The manual we've been given to guide us through life doesn't have any diagrams of the parts we've been given. I've decided to stop throwing away my parts and start throwing away this useless manual to write my own. So kick off your shoes, have a seat, and take a break from fitting yourself into a mold that's not your shape. You belong here. Allies, welcome to the ADHD planet. ADHDers, welcome home. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of the ADHD Manual Podcast. Um, recording a podcast is more complicated than I expected. I sure hope it gets easier. <laughs> so bear with me. Uh, there's a first time for everything and I decided that it was better to get something out there than wait until it was perfect. We're all growing here. Um, you might be able to hear my cat screaming in the background. <laughs> Just wanted to say, uh, I swear I feed him. Um, he just has really bad FOMO and hates closed doors, <laughs> uh, which I think we can all relate to. So anyway, sorry about that. And, uh, I hope you enjoy this first installment of the ADHD manual podcast. Right now I'm working on some longer episodes that go more into depth with the three pillars of ADHD, um, which we know are the interest-based nervous system, emotional hyperarousal, and rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Um, but while I'm working on those longer episodes, I thought I would release some shorter ones answering some of your questions that I've received over the past several months. Um, you guys ask really awesome questions and share interesting stories. So I wanted to share them with the rest of the community. But if you just can't wait for those longer episodes about the three defining features of ADHD, you can find articles about them on the website. So that's the ADHDmanual.com. Um, and in the left side menu, there should be a link for the three pillars and you can read more about them there um, until I can put out some longer episodes about them. And if you have a question that you want answered, um, either privately or um, if you're okay with it being on the podcast as well, uh, please send me a message. You can go to that same website, the adhdmanual.com slash contact, um, or you can send me an email at the adhdmanual at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. This first question is from Riley, and he says, Hi, Abby. I have a question slash story for you. When I was a kid, my parents got me tested for ADHD. The doctor said he doesn't have ADHD. He's just a distracted boy. He just needs to be seated up in the front, and the teacher needs to keep him in check. Long story short, after all that time in school and life being told this is how you have to learn, and you're not doing it right, and you just have to try harder, I am now lost. I don't know where to start to become me again and use my ADHD powers. So I wanted to know if you can offer some guidance on how to factory reset so I can be proud of who I am and how I can use my actual talents and not the ones that were forced onto me. This is such an awesome question. I love this idea of a factory reset. I think that's a perfect way to describe it because it is sort of like where these iPhones that just got all these 
apps and programs downloaded onto us that work for most people, so it's worth a shot (laughs) before we could pick our own programs and apps. So I love the idea of just like kind of starting over from the beginning in some ways and kind of unlearning a lot of the stuff that we were taught by our neurotypical parents and teachers and doctors, (laughs) right? And so I think the first thing I would say is that there, there really isn't a finish line. I'm still working on this too. I don't think we'll ever reach a point where we've like unlearned all of it, all the harmful beliefs and all the unhelpful strategies and all the insecurities that growing up in a neurotypical world has given us. I don't think we'll ever reach a point where we're done with that work. I think it's daily and it looks different at different points in your life. So yeah, so I think it's just a constant journey. I know this is a very stereotypical uh, quote to say, especially by a mental health professional, but what really comes to mind is that quote from Albert Einstein, um, the one that says, Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. I love that quote because it's really great at describing what it's like to grow up as fish in a monkey colony. (laughs) You know, that's totally what it's like. The world was not built for us. It's not built for people whose brains work differently. And most of us didn't get the nurturing and skills and teaching that we needed um, growing up because we we were fish being raised by monkeys, right? And they were trying to teach us to be monkeys. And we tried really hard, but fish can't be monkeys. (laughs) They're missing some very crucial parts. (laughs) So I think, I think the, the biggest thing that I maybe would start with is just by questioning everything. I think that's where I would start is just we often have, to use the factory reset analogy, it's like, we have all these like apps downloaded onto us and sometimes we don't even know they're there. So I would start by like questioning everything. Do one of those like purges of your phone where you look through all the apps and delete things you're not using anymore to free up space. It's kind of like that. And I think by, you know, just taking a second and really questioning the things that we were taught were important by our neurotypical peers and superiors. I think taking a minute to just double check and say, is this really important? Um, Is this really the hallmark of success that I want to adhere to? Is it important to me to hold on to this? Is it important to me to just see success as like one full-time job that I'm in for years and years? Is that what success still means to me? Like it does for a lot of the rest of the world, right? Or do I want to maybe let go of that and not try to beat myself up over not having this one job that I like climb up the ranks in and instead doing a lot of things that really interest me? Is is it possible for me to be happy doing a lot of different jobs or a lot of part-time jobs or switching tasks or jobs frequently? Is that something that maybe I can let go of? So things like that, like really taking a minute to question the things that we downloaded and weren't aware of. And definitely I think it's important to recognize just the emotional damage that's caused just by being a fish growing up with monkeys. I mean, the monkeys can be very caring and just 
can mean mean the best, mean really well, and and really want us to succeed and do their very best, right? But will still really hammer home that we are fish and they are monkeys, right? It's kind of like Tarzan. Definitely a lot of issues with that story, but I think in terms of an analogy, it's good to use as like there's these gorillas and they're very kind and they were great family members and very caregiving, right? But Tarzan still felt like an alien, still felt weird. And he didn't really realize how he was different until he met other people like him. So I definitely think it's important to examine that kind of emotional damage, um, especially given the fact that we are extra sensitive and prone to rejection and feeling um, really damaged by rejection. And so just by its nature, being fish growing up with monkeys, you get rejected a lot, even unintentionally. So I think it's important to take a second to recognize that and also give ourselves a lot of grace and give ourselves permission to have bad days. A lot of times I literally have to remind myself that no one is 100% every single day. I almost forget that, that there are people and they can have bad days too. You can be the most well-adjusted, typical-brained person in the world and you could still have a bad day. So I really try to remember that and give myself permission to have days like that where I'm off or I'm a little lower energy or I just can't try as hard as other days. And I think that's especially important to us and especially important for us to give ourselves more room because again, we're fish flopping around on dry land most of the time. And that's exhausting. Um, Just by nature of living in a world that's not built for you, it's exhausting. So I think giving yourself a lot of room and time to recuperate, to rest, to maybe have moments or tasks or days where we can just let some stuff go because I think if anything of all the messages to unlearn, I would unlearn the message that we are lazy. That is just the most damaging. I mean, I don't know if I'm an anomaly in thinking this, but I don't think there are any lazy people, (laughs) you know, like we are all trying the hardest and best we can with what we have at any given moment. And it's just, yeah, it, it's just mind-blowing to me that we can just assume that some people just don't try hard just because they don't want to. And I really think that we've, especially us people with ADHD, have grown up with this idea that if we're not coming down on ourselves with a hammer 24-7, we won't get anywhere and we won't get anything done. And that might have been true in some ways that to say that we've always had to try harder and in a lot of ways I think we've used our fear of rejection to in a way kind of make up for our deficits um, in the places where we struggle but that is so damaging. No one has ever shamed themselves into being a better person or doing better. You know that's just not useful. I mean even if we're not even taking into account the emotional damage and the trauma we're Uh, it's just not practical. You're not, it's not a good tactic. And the difference you can tell between like guilt and shame is that guilt says I've done bad and so I can do better next time. But shame says I am bad. And that inherently takes away all the possibility of ever doing better. So I think really taking into account the shame that we've just absorbed by always feeling behind and always feeling like we are not 
doing well or not trying hard enough. That's really, I mean, it's a lifelong journey to unlearn that shame and to let go of it because we feel like we have to hold on to it in order to keep up with the rest of the world. And that's just not true. So I would definitely start there. If anything, if you want to take away anything, I want you to take away, if you need someone to give you permission to have a bad day, here it is. You hereby have permission to have a bad day, to have an off moment, to have a brain fart. (laughs) You have permission to just make mistakes because you can fix it and you can start over and you can set yourself free because it's it's just not useful. If you're trying to get better, then you're not going to get better by just kind of absorbing all the shame that we have from being fish in a monkey world. So I think that was the biggest thing and definitely what I would spend the most time on if we're talking about uh, how to get rid of all of our pre-downloaded apps and stuff, right? But in terms of how to download new ones, to maybe download a new software that might work better, to do that, I would first start by finding your own body of water. <laughs> if we're talking about the, the fish uh, analogy. You know, like I said, we spend most of our time flopping around on dry land. And if we're ever going to really swim anywhere, I wonder how far I can drag this analogy before it's really old. But if we're going to swim anywhere, we need water. So I think by that, I mean find your passion and find things that give you life and oxygen and really make you feel more alive than trying to feel like you can't breathe because your gills aren't getting water or something. So to do that, I think you need to follow your passion. I think you need to have activities that fill you up and don't feel like they're tapping you. I think one of the great things about having ADHD is that, yeah, it's really hard to push us to do things we don't want to do, but it's also hard to get us to step away from the things we really want to (laughs) do. So I think you need to have at least one, if not several pockets of your life where you just let yourself explore and just bury yourself into something that interests you. I think that's crucial. I would definitely encourage us to do that just because having a job that doesn't interest us in some way, it tends to just be way more unbearable for us than it is for other people. So I don't think that your job has to be like this pinnacle of calling and just gives you like a sense of purpose and saving the world. I don't think everyone has to have a job like that. I don't think you necessarily have to live to work, right? And so if you have other things outside of your job that really energize you and um, you think are really cool and you're interested in and that makes it easier for you to do your day job and make money, then I would definitely encourage to do that. But you need something that excites you, a hobby, an activity, an interest to pursue, a club, a game, something that you can do that really makes you feel like a rock star because you should have at least one thing that that you can do with that. Kind of connected to that, I think it's super important to find people that also give you life and give you oxygen. Find your supportive friends. And this doesn't have to be people with ADHD. I just think it's really crucial to find people who will lift you up, who you leave from hanging out with, and you just feel like, yeah, I could do anything. I feel like great. That person just pumped me up. They really believe in me. And people who will just fill your cup when the world kind of drains it, right? So I think that's really important. But I think it's 
just as important to connect with other people with ADHD or other neurodivergent people. I think that's really crucial. I think if anything, that's probably one of the biggest things that's helped me is finding other people to connect with because even if you don't feel like this deep soul friendship connection with other people with ADHD, it's still just really rejuvenating to spend time with people who are like you. At the very least, it gives you a little bit of a break from keeping up with the world that's not made for you and it gives you a chance to rest and not have to work so hard to make other people understand you. I think it's important to have that, that kind of corner of the world where those other people, they get it. I think that's really essential. And aside from it being kind of a restful thing, I also think it can be really, really huge for how we struggle with self-esteem and how we can sometimes feel very down on ourselves because because we're not as good as other people or not as fast or not as thorough or whatever it's very very easy to be a fish in a monkey world and hate our gills right because they're not helping us on dry land at all so i think the more that times we spend with other people with brains like ours the more we can recognize that we're still cool, we're still awesome, we can still do great things, and I think for everyone, and I think probably especially for ADHDers, because we tend to be very empathetic, we tend to be very intuitive and feel out other people, and we tend to be be able to see other people more clearly than we can see ourselves. So I think for that reason, spending time with other ADHDers can really help uh, our self-esteem because we can look at other people with ADHD and we can say, oh, well, they're doing pretty cool stuff and, oh, they're pretty funny or they're really kind or they seem to always say the right thing that makes me feel better or something like that. So we can notice these strengths in other people and I think that really helps us in how we see ourselves. I think that can be a great way to start getting to know ourselves and finding those strengths within us. That tends to really help. The next thing I would say is to get help. And so by get help, I mean, obviously, I mean, finding a professional, find a therapist. And if you don't feel like you connect with that therapist, find another one, (laughs) like really spend some time creating a team that you feel supports you and has your best interest and will let you lead it. Because I think it's important to have a team that is multifaceted and also can get behind your goal, right? So I think that can involve a therapist. I definitely would strongly consider medication just because it's the best treatment for ADHD we have right now. So I would definitely consider that or at least talk to a doctor or someone medical about how you can have the best chance of a of a good life. If stimulants are not something you want, there are non-stimulant options. You know, there are some dietary things you can do to make it a little easier on yourself, things like that. So by get help, I mean change your environment. I think it's really important for us and for anyone really, but for us especially to outsource the things that we don't feel as good at. (laughs) If organization is just really tough for you then maybe inviting a friend over and having them sit with you while you clean your room using your environment to help you rather than feeling like you're always changing yourself to meet your environment especially as adults there's a lot we can do to just change our worlds we don't have to color code our closet if we don't want to we 
we can live in a different way and we can uh, change your home, be more conducive for you and to help be supportive. Put clocks everywhere, for example. Um, we have really a lot of trouble sensing time and telling how much time has passed. So put analog clocks everywhere. That's one way you can change your environment and give yourself a leg up and some help. At work, try to look into getting some accommodations. If not formally, then informally, you know, by asking your coworkers or boss for some support, like asking your boss to just send you assignments in writing and email rather than orally. That's one way that could be a small thing that your environment could change that could really help you utilize your strengths and and kind of not try to beat yourself up and trying to like remember every little thing everyone says all the time. So instead of doing that, trying to make so your environment work some for you because I mean we do a lot of work trying to keep up with our environment, right? And I don't think there's any rule against requiring our environment to do a little work for us too. So I think if I were to recap how to do a factory reset, how to find your strengths and use them rather than trying to fit the mold of the neurotypical framework that we've been taught. Number one, I would say question everything, including strategies you've been told are supposed to work for organization or productivity or whatever. So question those, those harmful beliefs that you've internalized about yourself and about the world and how hard it is and, and your capabilities and your strengths, question them. Really, really look at, is this accurate. Is this really true that I'm a lazy person and I'll never be good at anything? So question everything because a lot of the times we've absorbed ways of the neurotypical world that just aren't useful for us anymore. So question everything and give yourself endless grace because if not for the purpose of being kind to yourself and the purpose of you as much as everyone else deserves compassion and deserves room to mess up and fix it again. If not for that purpose, then just for the purpose of efficacy because shaming yourself, thinking like it's not going to get better, you know, I just really suck, I'm lazy, and if I don't just beat myself up, come down on myself, never feel comfortable relaxing, if I don't do that, then I'll never get anything done. Well, that's not true. It's not efficient. And so if you don't want to be compassionate and graceful to yourself just because you deserve it as a human, then at least do it to try something that was proven to work a little bit better than just being really torn up. <laughs> so yeah, give yourself permission to have bad days and make mistakes. And remember that no one, not a single person, not the most perfect brained, whatever, neurotypical person in the world, even that person has bad days. Even that person has off moments and times when they just aren't performing up to their quote-unquote optimal, right? Everyone has moments like that, so why shouldn't you too? Then I would say find your body of water. You know, find the places, the people, and the activities that make you feel like you're swimming instead of flopping around. So find a hobby that you really enjoy. Give yourself permission to get carried away. We are really good at that. We're really good at getting carried away and just <laughs> getting lost in something, right? So find at least one thing that you give yourself permission to do that. Lose track of time. You know, just get sucked into something. 
have at least one thing that you can do that with or supportive friends, people that make you feel like you are on top of the world, and other people whose brains work differently. Find other ADHDers. We are out there in person. Check out check out Meetup, meetup.com. That can be a great resource to look for groups for anything. You can look for clubs or groups that literally do anything, and you know, that might be a good place to look for other people with ADHD in your city. And and even on the internet. We're all over the internet as well. So just find some some venue where you can connect with other people with ADHD because that will give you a rest from having to just kind of walk around in, in the neurotypical world and pretend you're not an alien. <laughs> It'll give you a space to be with other aliens that you don't have to work as hard to get you. And it'll help you really see the strengths and the beauty in other ADHDers, and that'll make it a lot easier to see that in yourself. Lastly, get help. Get help from other people. Get help from your friends. Get help from professionals. And get help by changing your environment to one where you... I'm trying to follow the fish analogy. (laughs) If it's not a body of water, at least give yourself, like, a canal through your environment, maybe? Something like that. So these little things that you can, you can swim around a little bit in it, even if it's on dry land, right? You can shift your environment to be more conducive for the way you work. Try to get creative with that. That's all for this episode, but there is plenty more at my website, theadhdmanual.com. That's T-H-E-A-D-H-D-M-A-N-U-A-L.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit at The ADHD Manual. Do you have a question, comment, or story? Then I want to hear it. Email me at theadhdmanual at gmail.com. Very special thank you to my brother, Joe Miner, for composing this theme music. And thank you so much for listening. And remember to be kind to yourself. See you next time.